Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. You know those books, Money for Dummies and Real Estate for Dummies and Divorce for Dummies? They're not bad books. They're actually pretty well written, all things considered, and they, they, they are what they are. They're kind of money 101 intros. Um, I'm not saying put that book on tape in your eight-year-old son's bedroom as he goes to sleep, but it's never too soon to start talking about some of the stuff and uh, educating yourself. Now, some books out there are, you know, real estate, I'm real estate mentor number one in the world, as endorsed by Robert Kiyosaki and others. Those are the dangerous ones when they tout that they're an expert. I don't like companies that tout one product. There's a company called Emphasis back in the 1990s. We're like, oh, we're going to kill Cisco. We got this one great product. Cisco's like, bring it on, Donkey Kong. Uh, that was an Emphasis. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm thinking Emphasis and Oracle. But um, everyone will have a product that they think can dethrone a giant. JDS Uniphase lost billions and billions of dollars. And they never were able to beat Cisco. Companies that lose money historically will ultimately go out of business. JDS Uniphase had $51 billion in losses over 20 quarters. VeriSign had $15 billion. They got acquired by someone. They got kind of bailed out. Excited Home, $10 billion. Stock went to zero. Nextel, $6 billion in losses. Stock went to pennies. CMGI, they got bailed out by Sprint in the end. CMGI, $5 billion in losses. They failed. So when companies are proud that they're losing money, be careful. During that same period of time, Intel, Microsoft, Oracle, Dell, and Cisco all had... billion in profits. Oddly enough, they're all around. It is important to earn money. Let's talk to Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. One of the things that I like about you as a mortgage lender, and you're my mortgage lender, and you have a show here on AM 1220, KDOW, is you don't tout one product. You never come to me and go, this one product, the double-double inflation, 0% down, good for everyone, but particularly if you have a lisp, you can get this mortgage. You tend not to bullet shot it. You tend to say, let's let's take a look at a lot of mortgages out there and see which one will fit you best and not which one can I sell it to you who is different than other people. Yeah, it's a, it's a great market now that we have plenty of products to offer, um, you know, the wide variety of, of needs of the consumer. Um, yeah, everybody's different. And I think that's important. Um, like that's one of the reasons why brokers are picking up a little bit more business, um, year after year after year after year from banks, because banks are kind of like cookie cutter loans, cookie cutter products. Um, and brokers are out there touting those products that, um, you know, you might never hear of these lenders. I mean, you may not have heard of some of the lenders that you've used before. You're like, who's this servicer? Um, but there are other, what they call wholesale lenders yeah. out there that work only with brokers that you'll never hear of. They don't have brick and mortar. And um, they're making the industry, they're making our job very easy. So one of the things I think I'm hearing you say is something along the lines of there's different people. Now, let's, and they're going to have different products to fit their needs. 
Now, what is something that's common in people? What makes us all common? What, what do you need to be consistent to get your job done? Understand that people are different, so you're going to find some different product, but what are some of the core things that have to be met, so to speak? Equity. Equity? Um, income. Income. And, uh, what, and what, if they, what if they're young and they have no equity? Are you saying like 401ks well, or you, something you, to show a little... You want to have some sort of equity. Um, equity could be, in some cases, zero, like a VA loan. Okay. Um, in that case, you have to have the income. So income's really the, the main um, kind of binding um, and common ground that every product has. And it could be the property that has the income. You might not have the income, but the property has the income, and then you have equity. So it's a combination of many different things. But that's, again, that's part. The farther you get away from those mainstream cookie-cutter kind of loans, that's where brokers have really stepped up and filled that gap. So they just have a much more wider variety of products that they can offer the consumer. So income is one thing that people should have. Uh, One income is good. Two incomes is better. Uh, rental income on top of that, let's say like, uh, you know, that I have that rental property in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. If I have income and my spouse has a little bit of income, maybe she's not helping me as much as that, that equity in the house that I have, plus the income and from the rental. It all kind of factors in. Yeah. I've actually said many, many times that it's easier to buy a rental property than it is to buy a primary residence because you actually are assuming the debt as opposed to the renter assuming the debt. Um, so if you can get it to at least break even, you, you almost automatically qualify as long as you qualify with where, where you, you are now. I've actually had clients that um, th- they have a, a spouse that's not on the loan and they've deeded the, the spouse off of the loan. And that person goes out and lives for free, zero, and then goes out and buys rental property. And they qualify almost instantly because they have no debt that, that they're tied to. They're living at free at home. The husband or the spouse, uh, I'm thinking of a particular example, um, is making you know that payment or at least qualifying for that, and they're kind of absolved of that. So it's so that's so, a good example of people are different. People are different. People, and, and this is a, this person in particular is buying multiple properties. You know, maybe one or two a year, and they're pretty active at it. So that's some of your clients, people who are repeat buyers and who are, I'm not going to call it the word serial buyers. Repeat buyers maybe come back to you every five, six, seven years and have another mortgage need. Sometimes it's as early as three. But um, how about the serial buyers who want to buy a piece of property every two or three years, take the cash flow out, maybe you know, use restructure, that restructure. Um, consolidate, could upgrade their properties. And um, one of the first questions I ask people is, how old are you? Um, I'd like to know what, what you think is going to happen in the next 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, I, unfortunately, I still see people that are over 50 that are still trying to accumulate real estate. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad idea, but it might be their first property. I'm like, well, have you talked to your financial planner? Is this the right move to put two or $300,000 into a property? So we're seeing more and more people um, consult with their financial planners or even at least their CPA to figure out if this makes sense in the long run. Now, it's an easier decision or opinion to say, yeah, go ahead and do it. If they've already maxed out their 401k, they have a primary residence and that they just want to add this because they need more write-offs, which we hear all the time as well. So, um, but yeah, there is, there is some risk. Yeah. The other question is how much risk do you want to take? Um, are you look, what are you looking to get out of this transaction in the long short run and long run? Some people say, well, I just want the cash flow." I was like, okay. Um, I, I know that some of the properties that you've bought before you, you went long-term and then some stuff you went short-term. That's right. That's right, Jack. So, Mr. T. Mortgage Advice, um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls. What are you talking about, fool? Fool. I hear that luxury homes are different mortgages than the home that you're going to live in. 
or second homes, mortgage, luxury home mortgages are going to be different than second home loans that you're going to live in versus the house that you're going to live in versus maybe you're going to try to set it up as a business. Um, do you ever, and I, I think I know the answer to this. Does anyone ever come to you and says, uh, let's get a, like a homeowner's loan for a second property? And they maybe get. Does anyone look for favorable rates for yes. the different products? Yeah. So what, you, what you're describing is owner occupied, non owner occupied, second right. home occupation, occupation or uh, occupancy or um, commercial. And yes, it does. It you do get favorable rates if you can do owner occupied or second home. Um, the second home part of this, the, the the lenders have kind of figured out. They they changed the rules a little bit, saying, okay, we really want that second home to be a certain distance from your current location. And second, we want it to be in a kind of a vacation area. So buying a second home is getting a little bit harder, but you do get better rates. So people you can do see that, that all Tony the time. really gets to know your situation. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Super important that you understand real estate's not a hobby. It's a business and you can't treat it like a hobby. You got to treat it like a business. That's why I work with Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Much going on. Trade wars, for sure. I know. It's kind of still lingering. And it still just brings up questions. Um... What's going to happen to some stocks like Qualcomm and Intel and Broadcom and Xilinx and Google and uh, Apple? Then you get today a little bit of a twist. The Obama administration, I'm not going to say went out of their way, but they reboofed. They rebuffed. They repelled. They held back the mergers of T-Mobile and Sprint. And at one point in time, T-Mobile and AT&T saying, you know, that may not be the best thing possible for consumers. Not having choice. But if you're Sprint or T-Mobile who are in third or fourth, they're like, hey, 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 we can't really compete with number one and number two. They got better cash flow than us. How can we upgrade our equipment if they got better cash flow? How can we give consumers better things? So the chairman of the FCC says he plans to recommend the agency approve the $26.5 billion merger of wireless carriers. That's a big change. And that plays right into Donald Trump's trade war and the wowie wowie it looks like Huawei, but it's wowie um isn't it funny how the chinese and the hu and it turns into a wowie wow 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 it's it's it is close but um it, it wowie is in a situation where they can actually build out 5g infrastructure better than any other company in the world and when president trump puts the death penalty american companies can't do business with wowie uh, sentence on it, it's, it brings up a lot of questions. And one of the areas that he is able to say, well, I'm not really slowing down 5g cause I'm going to have my FCC. I'm not going to say Trump called the FCC chairman agit pay and said, push this through, but I'm kind of assuming something like that has happened, right? So the T-Mobile sprint deal looks like it could get approval as the chairman, but not the whole board has said thumbs up. Now, if you remember sprint sprint has that yellow look to it in their ads and, T-Mobile's got the magenta. Magenta. Um, it's two different brands, right? Do you remember at one point in time, Sprint had Nextel? And Verizon used to make fun of Sprint with a, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Commercials. And then Sprint wisely hired that same guy after Verizon moved on to a female spokesperson. Sprint picked him up and, well, you kind of see where I'm going out with this, right? 
T-Mobile and Sprint also guaranteed that 90% of Americans would have access to mobile broadband service at speeds of at least 100 megabits, and 99% would have access to speeds at least 50 megabits. Rural Americans are kind of where the T-Mobile and Sprints were able to, to thrive. Um, the chairman said the com- companies have committed to deploying a 5G network that would cover 97% of the population within three years. And that's kind of a feather in the cap for the Trump administration. It's infrastructure. The faster internet we have, the faster we can come up with a cure for HIV, or the faster we can come up with a cure for cancer, the faster we can come up with a cure for, you know, slow internet speeds by coming up with fast internet speeds. You get the idea. But in the back of my head, I'm kind of going, well, I do know I can jump from Sprint to AT&T. And in the back of my head, I can always jump to uh, from Verizon to AT&T. But I can always, in the back, go to Sprint or T-Mobile. I didn't want to because they were never considered as good of networks, or at least that's what the marketing said. But as there's fewer players, these guys are going to be less stimulated to say... Let's lower prices. Give people more for less. Still got to sign that two-year contract, which you always feel weary about, but there's going to be less incentive. Wedbush has cut their price target on Tesla from 275 down to 230 Tesla's looking like trouble at this point in time, and I'm not going to say I told you so because I was wrong easily when it went from 100 to 400 but I don't like it at 100 200 300 400 I don't like it at 400 500 300, 200. The company has a CEO who's too much of a, a wackadoodle. And now that the SEC says you can't tweet randomly, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, uh, the CEO, um, Elon Musk, would come out and say they don't know what they're talking about. He would tweet out a bunch of dummies over at, at Wedbrush. Sounds kind of like our president, right? Um, you get the idea here that Tesla's in trouble, and they've got a bit of a code red situation going on. They've had a couple batteries catch on fire recently, and they've done some software updates. But in the back of my head, and I I don't know about you, we're all different, right? Let's say you're a young man in your 20s. Let's say you're a young couple in your 30s. Let's say you're a a family pushing in their their 50s. We're all different. I'm not going to put a family in a Tesla if I keep hearing that. Even if it's just two cars out of a bazillion, I'm going to be like, two cars caught on fire. It's bad marketing. So Wedbush's Daniel Ives said, it's a neutral stock, and he's cut his price from 275 down to 230 Do you remember this was a 420 stock a couple a year ago when wackadoodle uh, Elon Musk was trying to impress a girlfriend and said, you know, hey, I got a $420 stock price. And $420 just happened to coincide with marijuana. I'm not sure why 420 is the code for marijuana, but people smoke a lot of marijuana on January, February, March, April, the fourth month, on the 20th, May 20th. I'm not sure, is it a cop code? You know, 5150 is like a a crazy person, and Van Halen kind of stole that and made that their song. Uh, There's things that I don't know. But it all comes down to profitability, and over the last week, we saw Elon Musk send an email to some of his employees, we need to cut costs. That is not the sign of a luxury car maker. That is not a sign of a car company that's got huge demand. So I, I, I'm just nervous with it, okay? It's not my thing. I don't want to hurt you. Do you know how many people have called me in the last couple of years and said, you hurt me with a stock? None. Do you know how many people said you're a dummy for recommending a stock? None. I'm not saying that's the end-all, be-all. I'm saying that, you know, try not to do harm. And, like, Tesla can it could certainly hit a home run. If Apple were to say, hey, this is our ticket into the auto industry, which I don't think they'll do, that, that could be a game changer. No? We? No? It could. But other than that, I, don't, I just don't see it. 
And trust me, on my street, you can figure out what street I live on because every other freaking fracking car is a Tesla. And they, I used to want one because I had never been in one and they kind of look cool. And, you know, you I drive a lot, but not for me. No, thank you. So Tesla shares plunged below 200 for the first time in more than two years as the car maker faces a Kilimanjaro-like uphill climb to hit profitability goals in the second half this year. Elvis needs boats. Elvis needs boats. Elvis needs boats. Tesla needs cash. And the bond market is telling you, it's not so much, is the car great? Is the car bad? Can Does the car company have cash? Is the problem. And that's never good. No cash, no dice, right? No shirts, no shoes, no dice. No cash and dice. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. It's good to be on the air. Find me at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. If you look at the calendar, it's showing... What is it showing? Ah, Summer's right around the corner. And summer is a time where Wall Street tends to take a break. Historically, there's some truth to selling May and go away. But it doesn't always work that way, so I can't tell you to do that. I'm going to stay fully invested. I might cut down on my story stocks in my portfolio. I might cut down on the momentum stocks in my portfolio. But I'll find a way to find you know places to put my money. Keep in mind, I don't do a lot of trading. So I may be kind of confusing you with that. But when it comes to radio and television, during the summer months, I like to build up some content. And I'm not going to say I had a, a flash, but you can help me with this as a listener, as people who work in radio or listen to radio. Anyone who wants to contact me, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Um, I want to do something. I'm going to start recording some what are called master classes. I think. I, I think this seems like a good idea because TED Talks and master classes seem to be like big into marketing buzzwords, right? So one of the ones that I will do is something like investing in your 20s. And then if I do it properly, I could replay it for years and years and years and years. I did this a couple of years ago and I called it Money 101. And I still replay them from time to time. It's financial content that doesn't necessarily age. I did that very generically with Money 101, hint the title Money 101. But I may do a little bit more on investing tech stocks, masterclass on investing tech stocks. I need some of you to give me ideas um, what I don't want to do is masterclass on day trading. That ain't my thing. Um, if you think you're going to be a successful day trader and, you know, have a successful life, I think you're fooling yourself. Uh, the best traders that I know work in Chicago and then they work in New York. I've never met a day trader who took a online trading academy class and nor a red light, yellow light, green light software or, you know, my team's going to help your team by giving you trades because that's kind of illegal when, if they front run the trade. But I've never met any individual who happened to be an engineer, a police officer, uh, maybe a doctor, maybe a teacher who became successful day traders. And the moment you think you're that person, I'll talk to you. And I'll say, give me your portfolio. Give me all your trades for two years. And I'll hire you if you beat the market after taxes. And you didn't take excessive risk in one name. Anyone can hit a home run, but nine people will strike out for that one person who hits a home run. So don't think you're that person. Masterclass ideas, send them to rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. I still have to talk to my radio peeps and see how we can pull this off so that it sounds correct. Because there are commercials in radio. But this is also going to be meant for podcast and digestion later. But I also may get KDOW to put it on their website kind of thing. 
kind of as a, a tease, so to speak, of going to the website. Anyhow, several U.S. companies suspend business operations with China's Huawei technologies. Huawei! It's fun to say. I don't want to get too caught up in that fun to say thing because I'll sound like a jerk, and I'm not trying to sound like a jerk. Um, but today, you're seeing companies like Google say, you know, while we make cell phones that compete with Apple, and we've been told not to do business with them, therefore, we're taking our software away from them, and they have to use it more of a uh, generic kernel, so to speak. Yep, there you go. One of the stocks that is very interesting, and they've just cut numbers, is a company called Lumentum. A lot of people think this is the play on 5G. But today they had to come out and say, we've cut ties with Huawei Tech because Donald Trump told us to. Uh, Lumentum is a major supplier of optical and photonic components. The company says it has discontinued all shipments to Huawei effective as of the date of licensing requirements. This is World War III. I know you're saying, did you say it's World War Z? Are zombies coming? No, no. World War III. China and the U.S. are in a trade war. And economically speaking, it has big ramifications. No, we're not going to see people shot in, you know, uh, nuclear strikes or anything like that. But this is a nuclear strike on an economy. I didn't think Trump would go that far. I didn't think China would go that far. It seems like it's best in best interest. You know, they can sell us a, a, a back scratcher that looks like a monkey paw that they made for 12 cents. And we can scratch each other's back. You know, we get something, you know, cheap and they, they, they get some jobs that, that put it together. But it's not working out like that. And someone asked me the other day, like, what do you think about Trump? And it was kind of a loaded question. And I was like, I think he's done some things okay. And I think he's done some things that, you know, have been bungled. And I try not to get political. And maybe I lean more towards bungled or maybe I lean more towards uh, okay. And it's none of your business. The point being is I do think trade agreements do need to be looked over every now and then. But also I think my agreement, you know, to come on the air every day, I need to talk to my producer and say, we still like doing this. I think I need to talk to my spouse and say things like, you know, we're still love, right? Because if we're not, we don't have to do this. I think it's okay to look at deals that you've made in place. Like, I've got a, a good friend that sometimes they, the more I talk to him, the more like I, I, I need a break from him. But I, he's still a good friend, and I, I'll come back to it, right? And that's how I look at trade deals. I think if you look at the trade deal that we had in place with Mexico and Canada, it was 30 years old. And it's time to like at least think about like cars back then were a little different. Uh, there weren't things like cell phones that, you know, that were consuming our life. It's okay. I just I, I didn't think it was going to escalate like this, and it did. So anyway... Um, Another U.S. supplier, not only Lumentum, and Lumentum is ticker symbol L-I-T-E. And if you think that there's going to be an abatement in the trade war, that's one that you put on your list. Another one called Acacia Communications, ticker symbol A-C-I-A. They said that they expect to comply with the order as well, but did not lower their guidance. Lumentum did. But at this point in time, Acacia said that they're monitoring the situation. As soon as these companies lower their guidance, you probably have like a 30-day, 60-day pass to say it's probably not going to get much worse. Maybe the trade deal gets done. Because in the back of my head, I still think both countries can benefit from scratching each other's back. Um, Qualcomm, Xilinx, also on my list at this point in time because they're at the center of the trade war. Lumentum, L-I-T-E, which is a stock we don't talk a lot about because it's on the more aggressive side. Acacia Communications, ACIA also. Um, have a shopping list. And once these companies lower numbers, that means they're kind of built in the next, you know, 90 days to, you know, 180 days of maybe a deal doesn't get done and maybe it takes time to ramp it up. There's a company called Fabernet, ticker symbol FN. It's got a reasonable P, nothing crazy, but they too are at the center of this. 
And I think they're undervalued. If you think a deal gets done. And that's the big if. Because you know what they say, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, oh, what a party you would have. Uh, Just throwing that out there. I know you're saying, please don't ever do that again. Google's decisions to cut ties with Huawei. I started the segment with that, and I kind of dropped it. Google's going to stop Huawei from getting updates to Android. That's the most widely used mobile operating system in the world. And again, you know what I'm saying? This kind of is uh, World War III on some levels. You know, you can't always fight with, with guns and, and, and ammunitions. Um, so that's really, I think, a very strong story out there. Intel, Qualcomm, those are kind of the bigger names. But you see a name like Google, and that's like a... How would you say that? They paint a big piece of fabric. Then you get into Intel and Qualcomm. They're going to be your primary colors. And some of the stocks I just mentioned are going to be the details. And the details have probably the the biggest hits to take. Even if Huawei puts a backup plan into action or reaction in this scenario, I'm not sure that's the quite correct grammar, but it's close. Um, It's still going to take some time uh, to get things smoothed and normalized. Now, again, Huawei's not stupid. To think that they're going to stop selling cell phones with... um, Google Android loaded into them. They've they've got a plan B, so to speak. Boy, plan B took a different turn as far as means. Game of Thrones is over. Um, I don't know. I think the ramification there is <laughs> how many people are going to stick with Time Warner, which is owned by AT&T, now that a big show has dropped. And Netflix has really, in the last three years, <coughs> ramped up their content. If you have both HBO and Netflix and Hulu and cable... <coughs> Excuse me, I got dry mouth today. Uh, dry throat. It's like the Sahara. Then you really got to say to yourself, um, do I need all this? 800-516-1228 calls on the air. Um, what else do I need to hit on this one? I think I'm kind of blending the two together as far as opportunity knocks and situations with a trade war. I like Mark Cuban. He's likable. Um, he's more of a believable billionaire than Donald Trump. He's less of a hot air guy, like, look at me, look at me, look at me. He said something, he's one of those people I like to read his quotes. One of the things he once said was, best day for average people to buy big ticket purchases is on Black Friday. Or any day where there's like a big 40, 50% off sale. I kind of like that. But uh, he's worth about $4 billion, and he recently said, today is the youngest you will ever be. Live like it. One thing I'll say is don't take up too much credit in the process. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I try to bleed in a lot of different styles of content. And what I mean by that is sometimes I'll get a little nerdy with you on quant and how you analyze companies on numbers alone. I think it's a cool idea. You should be able to, in my mind, look at a company and not know the name of the company, but just look at their financials and say, this is a good idea. This is a bad idea. I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think a lot of people sell it as, I have the crystal ball that can teach you how to do that. Very few people are good at being quants. Very few people are very good at being technical analysts. I try to walk you up until the danger zone. And then at that point in time, I back off on any advice that I'll ever give you. Uber's still struggling. Um, I want to be careful how I say this because it's a pretty broad statement. I think what we've seen in the last 12 months, and we could even go to say the last six months, is an affirmation that Wall Street is a little bit rigged. 
if you're trying to find the hot new sexy stock at a value. Companies that went public like Snap and Uber and Lyft and Pinterest, many of them have struggled at aftermarket performance, telling you that the people who were on the inside got a better deal than the people who were on the outside. And what I try to tell you is don't buy IPOs. And I try to do it in a cute way by saying things like, I have standards. When I turn 25, it's like, you can't date girls under 18. And I know this is kind of, you're going, that's kind of creepy. I'm trying to show you a creepy example. Then when you turn 30, you're like, I can't date women under 21. And then when you turn 35, you're like, I can't date women under 22. It's a joke. It's a joke. The point being is IPOs are too young for me. We don't know enough about them. We don't know their history. We don't know their trading. We don't know their valuation. We don't know what tricks are up their sleeve. Lyft is getting hit with a lawsuit that claims the company misled investors in its IPO prospectus. I want nothing to do with young companies. I want some experience. I want some companies that have seen good and bad. How does the company handle a 9-11? How does the company handle a recession? How does the company handle a booming economy? How does the company handle tax cuts? How does the company handle tax increases? So I stay away from IPOs because that's my standard. What's your standard? Like, you probably used to go, oh, I want to eat seven steaks a week. And then you're like, oh, I want to eat five steaks. And then, oh, my cholesterol is too high. I, I want to eat lean hamburger. Things change. Things change, right? So the lift dipping after a lawsuit tells me, like, I was wise to stay out of that one because there's some angry people. I don't have any interest in Uber. I'll let it. I'll miss it. I happen to know that um, I happen to know very comfortably that I can find other stocks that, of value. Now, switching topics to something that's a little bit easier to talk about instead of the don't buy IPOs, that's one of my mantras. Let's talk a little bit about entertainment. You know the song, that's entertainment. Um, I don't know. I don't know any other lyrics to it other than that. So maybe you don't know that song. I think you just say that's entertainment like 25 times and you're done with it. There's a company called Lionsgate, and a lot of people want to own AMC because they see it as a company, and me too, that someone should buy. AMC owns the zombie show. They also own the zombie show. They also own the meth show. They also own Bella, the vampire movie series, and the Jennifer Lawrence with a, a bow movies. Can you do well owning something like an AMC? I think you can. Now, with that being said, I want you to be very, very cautious. Um, it's not for everyone, and there are some problems with it, to say the least. Lionsgate division of AMC came out with the movie John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum, and had a franchise best opening weekend with an estimated $57 million to win the domestic weekend box office. Oddly enough, there was a tie-in to Fortnite, which is an area that has you know 100 million-plus people on a month playing the game. And there was a John Wick short-term game where you got to play assassins trying to kill assassins. I don't quite know how to sum it up other than that. But to have a three-chapter movie, as you can see with the Vampires movies, as you can see with the Vampire Teenagers movies and the Teenagers Killing Each Other movies, to have one, two, or three lined up, it's a big thing. Because the audience builds and the marketing becomes a little bit easier. Avengers had like probably a 10 to 12 movie build-up, right? And it's no surprise that it's, it's done great. So Endgame is now $771 million domestically, making it the second best grocer all-time domestically passing the Avatar. But John Wick Chapter 3, which Keanu Reeves kind of became a joke. Um, he was known as... He, he, he was in some of the best movies of all time, as far as uh, sales go. He was Neo. Neo is a, a form of saying he was a 
Jesus character in a movie, right? I think that's the way English majors would sum that up. But the fact that he's been able to relaunch his career with John Wick, that's a pretty good pretty good thing. It's like Han Solo playing, or Harrison Ford playing Han Solo. Or Han Solo playing Harrison Ford playing Indiana Jones. But John Wick pulled in $57 million this weekend and knocked off Endgame. Good for them. And it's all built on the premise that someone killed his dog. And <laughs> he got angry about it. Love trilogies. That goes back to, like, The Hobbit, right? And Lord of the Rings. You see how they're big moneymakers if you start thinking about it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter at Rob Black Show, and YouTube Rob Black Show. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525.